0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire podcast network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today sports media group. Joining me right now is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And before we get to the 49ers, we have to talk about our friends at Lamb Chops, the official clothing company of Candlestick Chronicles. SGLambchops.com is the website. sg SGLambchops is the Instagram. Candlestick20 is the promo code. You get 20% off your order. And Chris, had just picked up a new Lamb Chops hoodie. So when we're at our event coming up, we're not in matching hoodies.
2: We'll have to coordinate because I think we both have the same ones, but um, perfect, perfect hoodies for the fall weather when it gets to be a little bit cooler. Perfect t-shirts for fall weather. They're a little bit thicker. Uh, I wore one out to work last night, did a football game here in the greater Sacramento area and was able to wear it um, as the night cooled down. Didn't need a jacket. Just a perfect, perfect t-shirt for for the cooling uh, autumn weather evening. And, um, yeah, there's nothing but great things about Lamb Chops. As you guys know, comfortable, stylish, all the above.
1: High quality. Join the herd today. Go to sglambchops.com right now. Use promo code Candlestick20 for 20% off your order. Candlestick Chronicles is also sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. Cooper'sBrewing.com is the website. Chris, can you do some reconnaissance and see if Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA is available on the website yet?
2: It is officially on
1: on!
2: on the Cooperage website, cooperagebrewing.com. Um, you can get a four pack, sixteen ounce cans, shipped direct to your door. You can get a case. You can get a mixed case. I think you have um, you to get, get, a get a case a, to get it shipped. You have to get a ha- You can get a half case. Uh, is that true? I believe so. Okay. Well, anyway, they will ship anywhere within California. Get twenty four Candlestick Chronicles hazy IPAs, delicious beers. Obviously. It's the season. Uh, we have a couple weeks till our event, but also a couple weeks till the week three home opener. We would love to see everybody tailgating with their Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. It is delicious. Everyone will be envious of your beer. There will be some serious can envy going on among Niners fans. So mm-hmm. shout out to Cooperage for making another delicious batch. Third year in a row. Sells out every single run. I think they did four runs last year and they all they kept it just kept going shorter and shorter because people love the beer so much. So shout out to Cooperage and shout out to everybody who supports.
1: Yep. Go get your beer today at cooperagebrewing.com Go visit the brewery. Great vibes out there. Always a good food truck. It's dog friendly. Really good people there. In Santa so, Rosa. In Santa Rosa. Thank you. So if you're not going to order some, go to the brewery. And if you're not going to go to the brewery, go ahead and order some. Get yourself some delicious beer today. And also, real quick, remember, we have our event coming up at Cooperage 7 o'clock p.m., September 23rd. It's a Saturday after the home opener. It'll be me and Chris doing a live show. We'll have guests out there. It's a good time talking football, drinking beer. We'll have a charity out there. And if you wear lamb chops gear to the event, either I or Chris or a combination of both of us will buy you a four pack for pulling up in your lamb chops. So, What
2: if everybody goes and we're just, we have to buy like cases of beer for everybody. They're all doing lamb chops.
1: You know, then that's how it's going to go, dog.
2: Okay.
1: I mean, that's just, you know, (laughs) we need to, Hey, we need to make sure to keep track though. Just so someone doesn't pull up like in a hoodie and t-shirt. And go to you and be like, look, here's my lamb chops hoodie. And you're like, Hey, here's a four pack. And somebody pulls up to me, that same person. They're like, look at my lamb chops t-shirt. And I'm like, no,
2: I don't know. think, I don't think our <laughs> listeners would do that. I think our listeners are, are high I quality, somebody, I hope somebody outstanding individuals. That. If they, I, if I, I would, yeah, I don't expect our listeners to, try hustler, to scam, scam us like that.
1: <laughs> All right. The 49ers, <laughs> uh, the 49ers beat the Steelers 30 to seven. Let's talk about it.
0: This is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles.
3: Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Bosa's got
1: him with a second back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard line. the opposite of the way I thought it was going to go. Not necessarily the opposite because the opposite would have been the Steelers blowing out the 49ers. There were just so many potential pitfalls for San Francisco in their opener and they hit none of them. It was dominance from start to finish.
2: It was one of those games where if you felt like coming into the season, you were convinced the 49ers were super bowl contenders and should be one of the teams you're taking very seriously to win a title. Mm-hmm. that game confirmed all of your priors yeah right like yeah. to me there were so many positive aspects of it and we'll we'll get into the, some of the negative stuff but obviously by the result winning by 23 points on the road against a pretty good team in a pretty tough environment typically um just putting your foot down like once brandon i you caught that second touchdown pass it was over when he basically mossed uh patrick peterson and and brock purdy made a hell of a throw and IU got both feet in. It just felt like it was over at 17-0. And then 20-0, they kick another field goal. Um, it just, it, the, the, the way the 49ers were dominating the first half, it never felt like the Steelers really had a chance. You wonder if maybe there was a possibility that at some point, maybe in the third quarter, they can make it a one-score game. But then the 49ers open with a long Christian McCaffrey touchdown to open the third quarter. 65-yard run, great blocking from Brandon Ayuk, just laying out a DB. You have Ray Ray McCloud. Yeah all the way down near the goal line throwing blocks like it was just a completely dominant performance um and it just makes you feel very confident about the 49ers getting off to a better start because we've talked about it last couple seasons they just haven't gotten off to good starts they've been sloppy Mm -hmm. early on and it's ultimately cost them when it comes to seeding. this team seems very aware that like man this core nucleus is not going to be around forever This championship window isn't going to be open forever. And Mm -hmm. so there's just a lot of urgency. And you can see by the way they're playing that they have that urgency to go win a Super Bowl right now. And the best, the easiest way to do that is to be the number one seed and not trick off any of these games. And that's what today said to me was like, all right, this isn't just we're easing into it. This is Mm -hmm. we're coming out. We're playing. We're playing with a high level of intensity from the jump. And we're gonna go try get that one seed.
1: Yeah, I didn't think at any point that they felt like the game was slipping. Even when even when the Steelers scored at the end of the half, it never felt like the Niners were out of control of the game. And no. that's that's typically what we see from them later in the season. When they lock in and they need, you know, X amount they need to win five of six to make sure they make the playoffs. And they just lock in and they kind of reach another level. They did that. It looked, it reminded me of week one against Detroit in 2021. Yeah. But in that game, they really let it slip at the end and they kind of started to let go of the rope a little bit. That's a great point. And in this one, they did not. And it wasn't 30. They didn't score 30 where it's like, oh, it's kind of a cheap 30. And it didn't really, it was, it was a start to finish thumping, Of a team that, I mean, I said it on this podcast. I said it on the radio. I I thought that the Niners were going to have a really hard time in that game. That's a well-coached Steelers team. Their offense was humming in the preseason. Turns out the preseason still doesn't matter. Wild. But their (laughs) offense was humming in the preseason. It was TJ Watt. Was Nick Bosa going to play? Was George Kittle going to play? It's like, man, this is just a really tough spot. If they can find a way to sneak out of there with the win, you feel good about it. But if they lose, you're not going to feel like they're, they're not a Super Bowl contender. And then they just go throttle them. And that, you know, you don't want to overreact too much to one week, especially one week early in the year. Yeah. But, man, I I also said if the Niners went out and dominated, I would feel way better about them than I already did. Versus had they had they lost or struggled, I wouldn't have felt like the season was over. Yeah, but- I. I- that performance today was super, super impressive.
2: Well, the difference is that the reason why I think we can take a decent amount from this one, and like week one's always weird, right? Like you can go back to Jim Tom Sula, Chip Kelly, even sure. last year. Like mm-hmm. week one is always weird, but we've seen this team, this core group of players, this quarterback even win playoff games,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? So I, I think this, this just sort of reaffirms what they are. It's not that this is new. And we have to figure out if it's sustainable. We know the way they play and how talented they are. They can make deep playoff runs. It was just like, are they going to be together? Is this, is this all going to be in sync early on? Is Brock Purdy going to show signs of rust? Is the offensive line going to hold up? And we still have questions about that. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of, in terms of everything that you look for in terms of like checking boxes,
1: things. You wanted to see
2: from this 49ers team. That was just about everything you wanted to see, I would say.
1: I was trying to write down some negatives because I have a lot of positives. And what what we're going to do for today is just kind of start picking names and talking about players and performances as we go here. But I was trying to find some negatives. And it's really hard to find them in this one.
2: Well, there's Colton McKivitts against TJ
1: Watt, which. So that was one. That was one I had (laughs) down. And then the other one, they got penalized eleven times for eighty-five yards. Yeah, you don't want to get eleven penalties a lot. Spencer Burford and Diometer Lenore accounted for fifty of those eighty-five yards.
2: Burford but, had three penalties, I think. Yeah,
1: a face mask, a holding, a false start, yeah. and then Lenore had the had the personal foul, which is a borderline. That one was tough with Najee Harris hurdling a defender because yeah. you have to you have to go hit him. Right, because if he hurdles, he's going to keep going. But he landed on bounds. Tough play, and then the illegal contact, but. Outside of that, I want to get to the positives because there's way more of them in this one.
2: Yeah, I think we have to start with Brock Purdy. Yeah. I mean, to me, you know, you you always wonder year over year, and I've said this tons of times in this podcast, so I apologize for repeating myself, but the difference between the good and elite quarterbacks is the ability to do it year over year. Like Mm -hmm. defenses adjust to you, um, the game adjusts, the personnel around you adjusts, like being a good quarterback season in and season out is what separates the true top five guys versus the guys who are just like a flash in the pan, yep. right? And that's ultimately the difference between Nick Foles. We saw Nick Foles win a Super Bowl but never really did anything again after that, right? Yep. So the what makes a good quarterback good is how well he plays over a prolonged period of time. The fact that Brock Purdy looked as calm as he did and is able to get the ball to the right spot with timing with accuracy able to make plays outside of structure he took Mika fitzpatrick is blitzing from his left side make fitzpatrick the best safety in the nfl in my opinion and brock purdy just spins out rolls to his left and makes a play to i think it was a first down catch debo it to debo samuel and it wasn't a great throw but it's like Man, we never saw Jimmy Garoppolo spin away from a safety and go make a play
1: outside the structure of the offense. The single the single biggest improvement Brock Purdy brings over Jimmy Garoppolo is turning plays that would have been sacks into first downs. Yeah, but
2: and and just like the pocket presence and the ability to keep yep. your eyes downfield and not get rattled when the pocket's collapsing around you. There was another play later in the game where he had a big defensive tackle bearing down on him. He keeps his eyes downfield and and finds Brandon Ayuk to the left for a pretty yep. sizable gain, right? Mm-hmm. It it was just all these things, just getting the ball to the right place. All of these things scream sustainability to me, right? It's yep. not, they're not running zone read 45 times a game and teams are struggling to to figure out how to stop it. It seemed yep. to me that everything Brock Purdy was doing was... Real life quarterbacking, real NFL quarterback type play, and when you have those weapons and you have that running game and you have that play calling, that that is a recipe to to field a really good offense without necessarily having to have Patrick Mahomes. Yep, or yep. or you know Josh and that's, Allen or whoever. And that's,
1: and that's the thing is there were some plays where Purdy today badly misfired on a throw, or maybe bailed out of the pocket a little bit too early. There are still those little mistakes, but he makes enough plays to overcome them.
2: And you're you, like, there's an element of nitpicking too when you're like, "Yeah, I need no. you, I yes. need you to complete ninety percent of your throws." Yeah. In the end, it's just not going to happen, right? Yeah. And I actually thought he played better than his overall numbers said. I agree, um, but some of that's impacted by by the sacks, obviously. Um, and you know, we're like Colton McKivitts, again. Like Colton McKivitz is the right side of the offensive line the big takeaway from a today. negative standpoint, that's going to be the Achilles heel of the offense that yep. and injuries. Like if yep. they can keep their skill guys healthy, they're going to, they're going to be fine. But in terms of like the weakness of the offense, to me, it's the right side of the offensive line. But I thought, I mean, Christian McCaffrey obviously looked great. Brandon and was phenomenal. Debo I Samuel have... looked just fine. George Kittle looked just fine. Like it's, it's aside from Colton McKivitt's getting beat like a drum by a one of a, a guy who's won a defensive yeah. player of the year. Like it, it, it was all pretty positive from the Niners perspective. Mm-hmm. And I thought Brock Purdy really headlines it because the way he plays looks like high level, sustainable quarterback play in the NFL. Right.
1: And whether he's ranked in your favorite person's quarterback rankings, 20th or 30th or whatever. The fact of the matter is, is he operates the shit out of the offense. Like that's they've scored 30 plus in since week 13 last year, they've scored 30-plus in all but one game in the regular season. That's that's not easy to do. That's not something right. the 49ers have ever done under Kyle Shanahan, is just rack up 30 points a game at that clip. And I don't think it's a coincidence. Yes, there are all these weapons, but Brock Purdy utilizes those weapons better than anybody that they've, that they've had previously, whether it's Nick Mullins or Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever. But there were three things that I want to point out specifically from Purdy's performance. One, the early fourth and one call by Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. A, sick design. Well, George Kittle coming across in motion with Kyle Juszczyk. They were like in the pistol. And then Kyle Juszczyk was offset, right? And then Kittle in motion. And they did a little play action as an easy throw. But the fact that they put the ball in Purdy's hands in that spot to have him throw it on fourth and one was a I think a sign of the fact that Kyle Shanahan trust Purdy did not mess stuff up
2: and, the, and how often do have we seen in fourth and short a shot a run out of
1: shotgun and it not I was, work I was I would have bet a hundred dollars that's what was coming uh, yeah me too a weird just, like inside I was like they're gonna do like an inside handoff to use check with a fake toss to McCaffrey and it's going for negative six yards like <laughs> i was so sure that's what was coming
2: Short yardage play calling on third and fourth down has been, I think, Kyle Shanahan's biggest uh, where he struggled the most as a play yeah. caller. But that's that a was call that was a play action. Get 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 it to your tight end who's you, you're certain is going to go break a tackle at least one. Yeah. And yeah. of course, that's what George Kittle did.
1: The other, the other, I have two more things now. One, he got his arm hit while he was throwing twice, and it didn't seem to affect him. And that was one of the things that I was really worried about, whether it was week one or week 10 when it happened, when he gets hit while he's throwing or specifically has his arm hit while he's throwing, how does he respond? Yeah. Because that's the kind of thing that can, if you've played, it doesn't matter what level you played sports at, you get hurt doing something. It can be in the back of your mind. And that was something that I definitely wanted to see. And he had it happen twice and didn't ever appear to let it impact him. So that was a good sign. And then we can use this to get to Brandon Ayuk, who had a who had a career day. That second touchdown to him was a dot. That was yeah. that was the kind of throw that I think people who Stephen Ruiz at the ringer ranked Brock Purdy the 32nd quarterback in the league this year.
2: Friend of the pod, Stephen Ruiz.
1: Friend of the pod, Stephen Ruiz. And I think that's wild, but okay. Ruiz watches the tape, he knows what he's talking about. If that's what he thinks, okay, fine, whatever. But that's the kind of throw that I think people like Ruiz said Brock Purdy can't make. And he made it. And I was very, very impressed by not only his willingness to throw it into a tight window, but the ball placement on the back shoulder. Uh, that might have been the best throw of Brock Purdy's career so far.
2: How many Niners quarterbacks, like when, who was the last Niners quarterback that you would actually trust to make that throw?
1: Sam Darnold. No.
2: <laughs> like yeah. when's the last time you've been like oh yeah like the niners I, you feel honestly, great about a back shoulder fade with this on, with this quarterback
1: it was colin kaepernick to michael crabtree <laughs> that was really? the last time that the th- dude they had the back th- that back shoulder throw in that 2012 platform they had it dialed i'm dead serious no you're not okay <laughs> with That's how the, the super bowl you- ended well that was okay. Okay. No, the okay, Super sorry. Bowl stunk. Okay. But
3: but I you were trolling.
1: I, <laughs> no, I okay. I genuinely that was a route they went to a lot, but to that point it's not it's not something that you've seen a ton of from the 49ers so since then.
2: Point being like I was legitimately gonna say like Steve Young. But and I'm not saying Brock Purdy's anything close Just, to Steve Young. Right. But, but so, the point is we the, we haven't seen a niners quarterback good at throwing back shoulder fades like to to the pylon right you know like really at any level yeah in, like in a long time and so to see brock purdy making throws like that i mean just like his pocket presence he doesn't get happy feet mm-hmm. he keeps his eyes downfield he goes through his progressions like he's he just seems very
1: in command and in control There was one, I think it was their second series, where he gets to the top of his drop, he he plants his back foot, and he does a hard pump fake to Debo, or it might have been IU. But it was, corner was on him, and linebacker, it might have been TJ Watt, was sitting on it and had broken into that throwing lane. And Purdy pulls the ball down, resets his feet, and finds Christian McCaffrey in the middle of the field. Again, that's another play that it's like, man, and I don't want to harp on Jimmy Garoppolo, but he was their previous starter. So that's where I'm going. That's a play that feels like Jimmy Garoppolo throws an interception on. Yeah. And again, that's just another play. It's That's a dramatically negative play turned into a positive play. Not even just eliminating the bad, but turning it into a gain is is something that Purdy did a lot last year and, and then continued to do today
2: with jimmy garoppolo it was it it always felt like okay his first couple reads aren't there and when he has to move around and improvise a little bit that's when the really bad decisions come because he was just adamant that he would never throw the ball away like jimmy garoppolo would always try to force something if he could rather than just throw the ball away and live to see another down um but brock purdy can extend plays and make plays outside the structure of the offense too and it's like it's it's just it's impressive in that like he can run the offense and do it with poise and you know continue to get the ball to the right place but also add the uh, the outside of structure element which is not something Mm -hmm. the 49ers have really ever had since kyle shanahan's been coach i would say maybe late in 2017 when when garoppolo first got there because he was mm-hmm. he was pretty good at being you know making plays but i think that all kind of went away with his knee injury early in 2018 but the to this level where i mean that move he put on make fitzpatrick kind of blew my mind because it didn't even look like Purdy saw him yeah like you have the best one the best safety in the league
3: coming mm-hmm.
2: from your blind side completely un- unblocked Mm -hmm. and you have the presence of mind to spin out at the exact right moment Mm -hmm. to leave that guy in your dust and then go make a play. Super, super impressive.
1: All right, y'all. 49ers football is right around the corner, and it is more fun to be there live for 49ers football. When you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered as the official marketplace of the 49ers in the NFL Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. They have, I'm telling you, the interactive seat map, bro. It gives you 360 degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And that's super key. Obviously, being in the stadium, being part of the atmosphere, the vibes is, are, are, are very necessary. Those all matter. But being able to sit and get that 360 degree view from your seat so you can know exactly what you're going to be looking at on game day, that matters so much. Whenever I go to a new stadium, I love I, I love going to different stadiums and experiencing different venues. I always type in that stadium and 3D seat view so I can get an idea of what my seat is going to look like. And Ticketmaster offers that for you. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus... They got the mobile tickets, which make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. That's right. Get it in red and gold. Go do that right now. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash 49ers.
2: You know, given that, I just think, you know, the 49ers are going to be really, really hard to stop. Particularly if Brandon Ayuk looks like a potential star receiver, and we should talk about him. Let's do it. The last few years in training camp, it's always been, man, Brandon Ayuk looks great.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Like Brandon Iyuk is like the best player on the field. He's the best pass catcher. And yeah, last year he led the team in receptions or receiving yards, maybe receptions too. But no, I don't think that's right. Not not receptions, but definitely receiving yards. He was their leader. Definitely. Receiver. Yes. Um but it was it it never felt like well, Debo or it it never felt like he was better than Debo Samuel, really. Or like, mm-hmm. oh, he's better than George Kittle. And I'm not saying he necessarily is, but today was a game where Debo Samuel looked like...
1: He did lead the team in receptions.
2: Yeah, okay. Uh, Today was, a, like, Brandon Ayuk looked like one, one of the best receivers in the league today. Mm-hmm. The route in the first touchdown with Patrick Peterson just falling over when he broke in was just completely filthy. And then having the strength to go win... At the catch point for the second touchdown, catch the ball with Patrick Peterson in good, good position, catch Mm -hmm. that ball and get both feet in bounds. He caught all eight of his targets, 129 yards, two touchdowns. Like you said, career day. But it was like, okay, all this talk about Brandon Ayuk taking the next step and being Mm -hmm. like a real, a real top flight receiver in this league and not somebody that we all just like kind of think he could get there. It seems like he's arriving. And When you talk about Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle already being a part of this offense and then adding potentially a top tier receiver to this. Yeah, that's that's what's could really put the Niners over the top offensively.
1: Yeah. And you 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 mentioned the the stat that sticks out the most to me. Well, first of all, 129 yards career high, his fifth career 100 yard game. First time he's had 100 yards and multiple touchdowns at a game, but the eight catches on eight targets. There was the one contested catch. We just talked about that touchdown, the back shoulder throw. Other than that, he's just wide open all the time. Yeah. How many, how many, seriously, how many catches today did, did he have where the nearest defender was six yards away from him? Felt
2: yeah. like all of them. He's re- a really good route runner.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like if, if Brandon Ayuk is going to be a player that teams, and it feels like, He's the left-out piece of this. When people talk about the Niners' weapons, it's so all Kittle and McCaffrey and Debo. Man, there's so many. And I think might be the best receiver out of all of them.
2: And what's crazy is as good of a game he had it, like as a receiver, mm-hmm. one of his best plays was just laying out DeMonte KZ on Christian McCaffrey's run. Just decking a DB, perfect block, and springing him for the sixty-five yard touchdown.
1: It is so rare. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure I've seen it. So don't tweet me. But it is really rare that you see a receiver just declete a player in the open field like that. Yeah. There's there's blocks where a guy doesn't see somebody coming and they light him up or whatever. But that was a KZ saw Ayuk coming and still got flat back. Hazy's listed as a strong safety. Yeah. And I laid him out. <laughs> and credit to Ray Ray McLeod, too. Ray's
2: got Ray's downfield. Moved,
1: dude, from the other side of the field. Yeah. That was really, really impressive. And then Patrick Peterson got steamrolled on the way to the end zone on that one. Yeah. Tough game for people.
2: Also, it well, it was kind of crazy because Christian McCaffrey like kind of spun because I think somebody got in his way. And the only way like it it was like an accidental spin move, you know, like Mm -hmm. one where you're like, oh, I can't I can't go this way. I got to spin back. It (laughs) looked like he was just trying to get out of the way of I think it was a Niners blocker who was like in his way. He spun and just just lost like two defenders.
1: Yeah, it wasn't like a hard like spin move. It was more of a rerouting.
2: Yeah, but it it worked
1: perfectly. It did. It's instinctual because, runner for sure
2: yeah he's very very instinctual um yeah man 152 yards it got to a point i think pro- i mean probably early in the fourth quarter you're like why is McCaffrey still in the game
1: <laughs> i that was my that's probably that negative, started with like with like two minutes left in the third quarter yeah it's like skim's a rap coach yeah like let's go let's let's Do the Elijah Mitchell or Jordan Mason thing. Jordan Mason, no carries. Elijah Mitchell, five carries for 10 yards. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey, 22. That's not an absurd amount of work. McCaffrey had 22 carries and three catches. 25 touches isn't isn't crazy, but you also need to keep him healthy. And that game was in hand, and I know that Shanahan's probably still gun shy from that 2021 uh, week one game against the Lions where the Niners put in their backups and the game got out of hand. but. I think McCaffrey could have had six less carries today and the 49ers have been just fine.
2: Yeah, agreed.
1: Agreed. But man, like about... they're
2: they're just they they I, I don't remember seeing a team with this many weapons.
1: Yeah, like this really... many weapons all, all in all at kind of their I guess Kittle's probably not at his peak anymore. But in his prime, so all weapons weapons like this in their prime.
2: But even if Kittle's not at his peak, like would you be stunned if George Kittle ends up with 11 touchdown catches this year still?
1: No. In my preseason predictions, I had him for double-digit touchdowns. Right. He was open on one today and pretty just overthrew him. Yeah. So, uh, man, it, it's... If they're all operating at a high level like this, and it's not... It's not like they have a really good receiver and then a really good running back tight end that doesn't really do anything. And then this other receiver who, if you play fantasy, you've probably heard of him, but other than that, never, that's how it feels like a lot of weapons are. Or it's adding Julio Jones to Derrick Henry and John U. Smith and being like, who's stopping this offense? This is just a little bit different. And if Purdy's going to be as effective as he was, well, as he's been as a pro, if that's what he's just going to be this year, it's I I hate saying I don't know who's stopping them, but genuinely with Kyle Shanahan running things, that's gonna be a really, really hard offense to stop.
2: Yeah, and I I do want to hit on some some more bigger picture things a little bit later, but we should talk about the defense too.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. How'd you think Nick Bosa looked? Fine. Yeah. He wasn't he it, definitely wasn't Peak Bosa, but he impacted the game enough that it felt like
2: it felt like the pocket was, even though they weren't like pressuring him into like a ton of sacks, it felt like the pocket was collapsing around Kenny Pickett pretty regularly.
1: Eric Armstead had a very, very good game.
2: Yeah. It was just a lot of bull rushes, just pushing linemen right back into the quarterback. Yeah, And there were definitely a handful of times, particularly in the first half, where they might not get credit credited with pressures or quarterback hits, but it was like, oh, these the the way the pass rush is working looks like they're impacting the way pickett's throwing and at yeah. least his accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um so I thought that was a good sign Drake Jackson getting three sacks. No one was late and it seemed like they were kind of a product like I I would I, I think his sacks were largely a product of like the coverage being good. It wasn't mm-hmm. like you know pickett's at the back of his drop and then Drake Jackson's there. But still you have to be
1: really, three sacks, encouraged. Is three sacks, man. Three sacks is three sacks,
2: <laughs> right? You have to be really encouraged about Drake Jackson still. Yeah. It wasn't yes, like absolutely. Drake Jackson dominated the game. He did take advantage of like some good 49ers coverage, but that's like what good defense is. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but there were, I mean, I had questions about Drake Jackson coming in and mm-hmm. you know, like the 49ers in order to have a defensive line. That's going to come close to what they had in 2019. They need Drake Jackson to be good, not just like Mm -hmm. serviceable, but like a good player.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When, when the opportunities are created by other pass rushers or by coverage, can he take advantage?
2: Yeah. And he did. Yes, he absolutely did. And that's a, a big credit to him. And man, if he's good, like if Drake Jackson turns into be turns into a good player I mean the defense was number 1 in the league last year mm-hmm. with him not really contributing a whole lot. Man. Off if you, if they get another year. dude opposite Nick Bosa on top of everything they have in the interior already with Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave.
1: Good luck. <laughs> Fred Warner Since... was
2: an Fred Warner was ridiculous today too. He
1: was he was defensive player of the year good today. Yeah. He was all over the place near the line of scrimmage. He had that that first hit on Najee Harris. It is super rare that a linebacker and running back just meet in a hole and the linebacker flattens the running back on like a hit. Not a rat form tackle. He just ran into him so hard that he fell down.
2: And Najee Harris is bigger than Fred Warner.
1: Najee Harris is enormous.
2: Najee Harris is 240 pounds. Fred Warner is like 225, 230
1: yeah, it, it was he was unbelievable. The Talano Hufanga interception came yeah. because he just carried the linebacker down the middle of the field. Just easy. I don't know where Pickett was trying to go with that throw. But yeah, he was he had the dropped interception. That probably would have been a house call. Yeah, Warner was was sick. He was really, really good. I thought Trey Greenlaw was really good, mm-hmm. um, especially late in the game. Yeah,
2: I think Cleon Farrell's like fine like he's at least yeah at at least charles amenehu right like i don't i I don't i'm with you i don't think he's like a great player but i don't think you feel terrible about him being out there as a rotational guy particularly if drake jackson's gonna be good on third down like he was today
1: yeah Furl had a really good run stop on the first series and then there was one later where i think he was lined up inside and the steelers ran it between the tackles and he came up with a stop if he can do that if, like you said, he, if he can literally just replace Charles Omenahu, that's really, really significant. So getting, we talked about this a lot, especially with Nick Bosa's holdout. It was, man, is the 49ers edge depth good enough? Do they have enough dudes to generate a pass rush opposite Nick Bosa? And one for one. Yeah. <laughs> Jackson was Jackson and furlough were really good.
2: The Steelers tackles aren't very good. Farrell also had a pressure on that ball that Fred Warner should have intercepted early. Yep. The house call. Um, yeah, I, I do think there's, there, there were a lot of times where the second team defensive line was in and it just felt a lot different, mm-hmm. which is like to be expected when you go from like the best front four in the league to like four backups. Yeah, it's definitely going to look a little bit different. So, it's great you know, like Javon Kinlaw was Okay, but you still want him to be better. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe in the context of like a rotational defensive tackle, like he was probably fine. Mm-hmm. But in the context of where you drafted him and how much he's getting paid by way of that draft selection, you're like, yeah, yeah I would. You'd want him to be a little bit better, but like that's also of the picking knit category.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, definitely they're... of the mind. I'm, de- <laughs> I'm definitely of the mind with him that he's. I'm giving it a few games because yeah. he just hasn't played a ton of football. He's played 10 games the last two years. But like you just said, it's man, their third defensive tackle is a little iffy. Okay.
2: It's <laughs> a little disappointing for Whatever, a first man.
1: round pick. Yeah, um, There's worse spots to be in for sure. Jake Moody. Perfect day. Genuinely. Genuinely. I know, I know we've joked about the Jake Moody stuff a lot, but. That could have been a real issue. If Moody came out today and mixed an extra point and went one for three on his field goals, that's now a crisis in an area that the 49ers haven't had to worry about, really. Yeah. So not only was he three for three, but they were all like right down the middle. So I'm going with my theory that the injury actually wound up being good for him because it allowed him to just separate himself from whatever the heck was going on. And then he got back on track.
2: I just hope his leg Go feels better blue. so he can start
1: doing kickoffs. That was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> the I Niners' kick I, coverage I was bad. Had, it was really bad. I genuinely wonder if if he was in pain and couldn't do kickoffs or if he's really just doesn't have the leg yet to do them because the Niners passed up a deep field goal opportunity to punt in the in the, I think it was late in the first half. I think they were up twenty to nothing. So maybe he's just not at full strength yet. But yeah, if he's not do, if he's not doing kickoffs next week. I got questions.
2: He's got to be doing kickoffs soon Um because their I kick hate. coverage wasn't good, and Wisniewski's just. I mean, he can kick it, but like you, the part of the a significant reason you drafted Nick uh Jake Moody, where you did Jake, mm-hmm. not Nick Moody. Or Moses. Uh, <laughs> is because of how strong his leg is. So, mm-hmm. you know, ideally that that comes back. But I think I think it will at some point. Yeah. Um. How, I have never can we talk about Mitch Wishnowski?
1: I've never wanted a thing to happen on a football field more than I wanted Mitch Wyshnowski to get that first down on the blocked field goal. I have I never I have never wanted something more. It looked like he could have. I really thought I think he needed to cut it back inside a little sooner and maybe agree. put his shoulder down. Yeah. <laughs> just just show a little wiggle, a little suddenness. <laughs> <laughs> a little um, suddenness.
2: Three kicks today, all three inside the twenty. I think two of them were inside the ten.
1: Yes. That one that one play by Samuel Womack where Wishnowski would have dropped in a bucket on the five yard line. Yeah. Or inside the five and Womack just kind of spiked it down yeah that was really nice play put some respect
2: on mish wish name he's not going to punt it 80 yards like michael dixon up in uh, seattle but he Mm -hmm. can he can drop it drop it inside the 10
1: yeah which is with the best of them
2: if you have if you have a great defense like the 49ers have that's that's an underrated skill
1: no it it absolutely is and i know that punting is like a oh punters are people too but genuinely if you have a guy who's pinning teams regularly inside the 10 that's field position matters man totally god i wanted to pick up that first down so bad
2: um let's take a break go through our prize picks and then uh i think we there's a salary cap discussion that needs to be had
1: oh great can't wait hey y'all this is kyle madsen with candlestick chronicles a 49ers pod and there are so many reasons I'm excited for this NFL season, both 49ers and league wide. But I, I honestly think the thing I'm most excited for is I'm diving into daily fantasy sports, baby with prize picks. I get to test my skills on a week to week basis with prize picks this football season. It's the best way to play daily fantasy sports. I've, I've dug into other daily fantasy sports with, with pros and sharks and there's thousands of people playing, but with prize picks, it's two steps. You pick, more or less than on between two and six player stat projections. And then you pile up your winnings. That's it. It's two steps. And I am so looking forward to doing this with you each and every week. It's super simple to play. That's the other thing is I don't want all the complicated. I don't, I don't, I'm out. Like I said, I've, I've tried to dive in, uh, and, and I don't know why I haven't gotten to prize picks sooner because it's simple. It's easy. Very straightforward. I can make my picks. I submit my entry. It's done in less than 60 seconds. And I'm telling you this year with the 49ers, and I'll, I'll venture out to non-49ers for sure, but I'm I'm looking at a lot of Brandon Ayuk more than stats this year. I'm looking at a lot. Of, I think I'm going to go Brock Purdy more than quite a bit this year, y'all. And I know that might sound counterintuitive, Niners running team, but I really like Brock Purdy to go more than on, on plenty of his stats this year, so it's quick withdrawals, it's easy gameplay, so many players to choose from, so many stat types, and that's what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. I'm honestly so stoked to dive into this. I'm going to be posting my picks on on social media. I know Chris is going to be doing the same, so please make sure to join us, and you can do so by going to PrizePicks.com/candlestick and use code Candlestick for a first deposit match. Up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash candlestick. The promo code is candlestick. And that's for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. I can't wait, man. Let's go. Hey, it's your friends Kyle and Chris. Here with SG Lamb Chops, our homies. And our favorite fashion brand. Check them out at sglambchops.com. Go to Instagram and follow them at sglambchops. What's that? That's a Minnesota-based fashion brand that were founded in 2012, and they emphasize attention to detail and premium quality, and that's reflected in the Lamb Chops brand cleaver logo. It's so sick. It's such a sick logo. It's just a really clean, just a cleaver, and it's a custom cut and fit for every single piece. Chris, you and I both have a closet full of this stuff, And I've yet to have something from them that I don't like.
2: I think the emphasis is definitely on quality and comfort.
1: And we talked about it before, but we live in an
2: era where comfort is really at the forefront when it comes to clothing. And with all these athleisure brands, very few of them are fashionable, but lamb chops takes all that comfort and that quality that you need. And they happen to make very fashionable items. Also, you can get, Just very comfortable mesh shorts with pockets. We all love those, but they can look a little bit boring sometimes. You can get some leopard print. You can get some inverted leopard print. So the inverted leopard print looks kind of cool. It looks almost like a dark camo. Well, you can get regular leopard print if you want to stand out a little bit. Um, You and I have both rocked the various animal prints. They're not even animal prints, but they're just you can get shorts with orcas and wolves and lions. Mm. Favorite animals. Um, you can get basic sweatshorts. Um, everything's just super comfortable, super premium, and super stylish. And I think that's that's just a great combo for for any clothing brand, but Lamb Chops really stands out among the rest for that. And uh that's one of the reasons why we love working with them.
1: Lamb Chops is leading the herd with original and high quality clothing. They offer one-of-a-kind clothing options from unique statement pieces to your everyday essentials. So join the group that's leading the herd. SG Chops. that's SGLamChops.com. and on Instagram at SG Lamb Chops. Follow them right now. My prize picks didn't go awesome.
2: Mine could have gone really, really well. I'll yeah, we'll um, find my entries. Something weird happened with George with George Kittle's number. Um, but I ended up I ended up three for five. And I should have been I should have been four for five but a lot of just garbage time yards from our guy, Kenny Pickett.
1: Yeah, that's tough. So I had Christian McCaffrey more than half a touchdown. Got that one. I had Debo Samuel more than 49 and a half receiving yards. I got that one. But then I had the George Pickens more than 26 and a half yards receiving yards on his first two catches. And he had 15 receiving yards on his first two catches. So I still have a chance though. I need Dak Prescott to get more than half a passing yard. And I did the flex play, which is cool. So I picked four. But if you do the flex play, you win a little bit less for getting four out of four. But you can also get a little bit of money back if you get three out of four. So I'll get, I guess, like a half W on that one if Dak Prescott those for for half a uh, half a yard yeah one yard so
2: i had Brandon Ayuk more than 52 and a half receiving yards he had hundred and twenty-nine. <laughs> nailed it check uh Christian McCaffrey over a hundred one and a half. sorry i had Christian McCaffrey more than a hundred and one and a half uh receiving and rushing yards he had, let me do some math. I mean, he had 152 rushing yards and then yeah, 17. Sorry. Yeah, so he was way over there. Um, I had Pratt, Pat Fryermuth with more than 36 and a half. Uh, He got banged up by yeah. uh, Talanoa Hufunga pretty good there. His only catch was a three-yard touchdown, so I did not get that one. Um, I had Kenny Pickett fewer than 218 and a half passing yards. And Man. he ended up with two hundred and thirty-two. And like I'm just salty about that. That was like, I'd be all... salty. It that's was the just right... all garbage time yardage. The that's other the one's right fine. Like Friar Mute, like a tight end gets hurt, whatever, that's fine. But like I felt it never felt like Kenny Pickett was Kenny Pickett had more yards than Brock Purdy today. That's weird. And it just never felt like you know their offense was going so a lot of garbage time yardage just cost me but I'll take. you, you made the right you
1: made the right play
2: yeah I made the right play um so I think I had George Kittle receptions when we did the pod yeah and I it was either receptions or targets um but that number wasn't there when I went to do it this morning and posted on X formerly mm. known as Twitter uh so no it was receptions so I went fewer than three and a half and he had three. Nice. For 19 yards. So I was three for five. I'll say I'm three for five, even though the category changed from, from Friday on Kittle. That no, still but counts. Still counts. I think I feel good about it. It's on Twitter um, or X. So, you know, it's on the record. But I feel, yeah. I feel pretty good about, about the way things went in our first prize picks.
1: I've had such a good time with it. I put, I put together another entry using non 49ers, Steelers i had CJ Stroud less than 195 and a half passing yards and he went 190 I have the Dak Prescott special I need I needed him to go for one yard but then something named Cade Otten is a tight end for Tampa Bay Mm -hmm. and I went less than 24 and a half receiving yards for Cade Otten and he had 30 Mm. Mm. tough go so I didn't get a W there but I'm holding out I'm holding out hope for the one from the pod. I just need Dak Prescott to get a yard.
2: I think I think that's going to happen for you.
1: Gosh, I mm-hmm. hope so.
2: Unless he hurts himself in warmups,
1: being an all-time all-time bummer, twists yeah. an ankle, handing it off on the first play, that would suck. Yeah. Um, can we talk salary cap? Shout out to Prize Picks, PrizePicks.com/slash/candlestick. <laughs> Promo code Candlestick for up to a hundred dollars uh, deposit match. It's super fun. It is very fun, actually. I can't wait to put together a baseball entry tonight.
2: Yeah. Okay. Let's talk salary cap because the 49ers, they obviously got Nick Bosa's deal done. Mm-hmm. Um, they shrunk his cap number from, I think it was 17.9 down to just over 11. Mm-hmm. Um, they restructured Eric Armstead, Shrent Williams, and George Kittle since, I believe, And somehow the 49ers created... I mean, I know how they did it. You convert base salary into signing bonus. (laughs) Um, But somehow the 49ers managed to go from having like no cap space to the most cap space in the NFL. Um, And there's been a lot of discussion, I think, about the reasoning for it. And in my opinion, the reasoning for it is not necessarily to be like, oh, they're going to go add a star player who's making... 40 million dollars at the trade deadline although i guess in theory they could but to me i mean cap space rolls over right year over year so to me it's an opportunity for them to try to maintain flexibility by creating that cap space because things do get dramatically tighter obviously as you go on and essentially when you convert I've said this before, but when you convert base salary into signing bonus and spread that signing bonus over the length of the remaining contract, um, the cap figures go down, but you get to a point where like, it's a credit card and your credit card bill is due, and that's probably going to come in 26, 27, whatever. Um, But at that point, you're probably restructuring guys and doing it again. Um, But I, I just... For me, the purpose would appear to be more about creating flexibility down the road by being able to roll over cap space from 2023 to 2024 more so than like, Oh, they're going to go get somebody at the trade deadline. Who's making a a boatload of money this year. Right. But the reason why I wanted to have this conversation was, and I don't know who it is. I would have to go look, but it feels like if there's a right tackle available at the trade deadline, someone who's like a notable upgrade over Colin McKivitz. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it feel like the Niners could pull that trigger if they need to?
1: Yes. I'd be kind of surprised if they didn't. Like I definitely think they I definitely think they just want the rollover space. But also they also want that flexibility in the event that they need an edge rusher or a right tackle or what have you. So I think this is just another version of them kind of pushing their chips all in for the next year or two. Yeah. Because like you said, those bills are going to come to eventually. And you know, if they don't win a Super Bowl in this stretch and they're sitting here in 2026 in salary cap hell and people are complaining about John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, then it's going to be earned. But if they win a title and then wind up in salary cap hell in the next couple of years, nobody's going to care. Right. I mean, p- p- people will care, but it'll be more justified because they kind of went for it. So I think this is just them going for it and either giving themselves some rollover space next year or giving themselves that wiggle room to add a player if they need to. And like, there's also. Would it, shock you, would it shock you if Drake Jackson is, you know, kind of doesn't have three sacks a game? <laughs> And, and no, but they just, we see, we watch his defense near the trade deadline. It's like, man, they're, they're really good, but that spot opposite Nick Bosa is a little bit of a problem. Then they go trade for Daniel Hunter. Right. Yeah. That, that's the kind of, of, move, or, or they have an injury problem at wide receiver and go trade for Mike Evans. That's what I think they're not necessarily hoping to do. They want their own guys to work out so they can just keep all that cast base into next year, but. I would not be shocked at all if they wind up going and getting a right tackle.
2: It's kind of crazy, right? Because didn't a decade ago, it feel like there were never impactful trades made during the season in the NFL? Mm -hmm. Didn't they all feel like super far between? Yes. And now you're looking at a Niners team that has really made three super impactful in-season trades. Yeah. Starting with Jimmy Garoppolo and then getting Emmanuel Sanders, who like really took the offense to a different level. And then last year getting Christian McCaffrey, who like completely changed the offense. Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, and and I think it's happened throughout the NFL, too. But for whatever reason, now you see these midseason trades having way more of an impact than we were used to seeing in the 2000s and 2000 teens.
1: To I where think now? Teams value draft picks differently now.
2: Yeah, teams are like whatever. Like we're yeah. the the odds are you're gonna you're not gonna draft a star player. Teams used to hoard draft picks like the most precious capital they had, right? And I think as analytics have played a larger role in the league, people realize like, oh, the hit rate on a third yeah. or fourth round pick isn't nearly as as valuable as going to get a known quantity.
1: Right.
2: Right. Um, so yeah, the 49ers, because they do have all their picks now. The Trey Lance stuff is is mostly gone. Do they still do they still have any outstanding Christian McCaffrey picks?
1: Yeah, their fifth rounder this year. Okay. So or in their their fifth rounder in twenty twenty four, but they got a fourth rounder for Trey Lance.
2: Right. So, so they basically have all their picks including some compensatory third round picks that are coming my yep. way. Of I think picks. they're
1: slated to have 11 picks if my count is right. So and a bunch of them between rounds 1 and
2: 4. So they lead the NFL in cap space at the moment with 42 million. That's why they won today. <laughs> the, the Steelers saw that cap space. The Steelers just, were like
1: 41 million
2: and then just Damn lost it. all their confidence. <laughs> <laughs> we can't compete with these guys. <laughs> Throw in the towel. Um, No, but they're going to roll
0: all that over. (laughs) Uh,
2: But I do think they had they now have the flexibility to like even like Chase Young. Like, I think if if Washington season doesn't go well and Chase Young looks like a productive player, they could get him. I think he's they could get him for super cheap. And he would be super motivated because he's due for a new contract. So like. Worth noting, she...
1: Go ahead. It's worth noting that Washington snuck by the Cardinals at home on Sunday. Chase Young did not play because of an x Stinger.
2: Yeah. I mean, so he's had injury issues. And obviously the fact that they didn't pick up his
1: fifth year option says something. But if he's a, if you can use a fifth to go get Chase Young for half a season. And put them on this defensive line, yeah. Like that's how you. I mean, yeah. If if
2: you can if, overwhelm a Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or whoever with a pass rush, like that's going to be the 49ers' best ticket. Like that's their ticket to winning a championship, right? They have to have an overwhelming defensive line, right?
1: And <laughs> and a trade for a player like that. I don't want to dive into a Chase Young talk here, but a trade for a player like that is exactly the kind of thing that the Chiefs do. That when they're in the Super Bowl and he makes a play, everybody goes. And this is a player that everybody had written off, but the Chiefs went and got him. He's available for a fifth round pick, and now here he is making a play. It's that type of move.
2: Yeah, I agree. So, but I do think, and maybe we as we'll we'll see how Colton McKivitz does when he's not playing a super elite
1: yeah, player. Yeah,
2: but the right tackle and right side of the offensive line to me, that's like where you start to think, okay what could derail this thing outside of injuries to their key players and it could be the right side of the offensive line
1: yeah because you can't you can't continue throwing Kyle Juszczyk over there and having George Kittle stay in to block and just devoting all these resources to helping out your right tackle especially at some when... point you got to be expect some point you got to be comfortable putting him on an island and drawing up a real play
2: Especially when your quarterback is coming off elbow surgery after getting his arm hit.
1: I'm really surprised. And and again, I'm not writing off and saying that Colton McKivitz is terrible and shouldn't start next week. He's going to start, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be better against whatever defensive end the the Rams are throwing out. But at the same time, it goes back to what we talked about during the offseason. I'm really, really surprised they didn't try any competition out there. Any real competition for right. that starting job? Maybe they bring in a third round pick, and that third round pick isn't any good, and McKivitz is a starter anyways. But the fact that they just handed him the job is is pretty wild. Yeah, I w- I would agree. Um, but like you said, it's TJ Watt. It's not like McKivitz was getting beat up by a bunch of randos. Yeah, it wasn't Cassius Marsh. Out there. If he, it well, I mean, it's tough to beat out Cassius Marsh if if he goes out against the Rams who have just a a random assortment of created players at defensive end, if he goes out against the Rams and gives up three sacks, then there'll be a problem. Agreed. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say about this game. I
2: don't either. I do just want to point out the way NFL restructures work. It's not, NFL players doing it out of the goodness of their heart and making any sacrifice in any way. Right. Cause I've seen this like, and George Kittle talked about it when he was talking with reporters in the locker room last week, but like a restructure, basically restructures are already built into contracts. Right. They're just kind of triggers that teams pull. Yeah. And all it is, is a conversion of base salary to signing bonus. And it's like non guaranteed
1: has- money to guaranteed money
2: that has nothing to do yes but that has nothing to do with like in most cases has nothing to do with what's going into a player's checking account right at any given time it's not like you restructure and then get a deposit or it's not like you restructure and a player is making less money for the good of the team right. like these financial <laughs> maneuvers have nothing to do with the players themselves so like it's very funny to see the reaction to restructures like oh man that's selfless Eric like, Armstead.
1: Like Eric Armstead went in there and said, Hey, John, I know we need to free up some cap space. Right. I'd, I'd really love to restructure. And- I'm going to take less money now. <laughs>
2: it's, it's not it's how it works. And not so, a thing that happens. It's not a thing that happens. So when I mean that the reason why the Niners are able to restructure so much is because they have so many big contracts.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. It's That's just it. it's just how it works. and and restructures or why they're paying D Ford eight million dollars this year. Or why I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Why D Ford is costing them eight point six million dollars against the cap. Yeah, and dead money. Jimmy Ward that money too. just gets pushed into the pushed into the future.
2: Jimmy Ward is making six point three. Um yeah Trey Lance is eight point three. That's a more understandable use of dead money given yeah. the way things went. But yeah, D Ford make counting eight point five on a team that he hasn't been a part of for two years. you know that's ultimately what happens so again it's not an issue right now it's a good thing i also just think the wild celebration of the fact that the 49ers have cap space is like
1: (laughs) yeah it's in it's in it's enticing if they wind up it gives them that wiggle room to yeah add a huge name at the trade deadline and help their super bowl chances but
2: I don't, I don't view it as guaranteed that
1: they're going to do that.
2: I, I don't view it as some like, oh, this front office is smarter than everybody done else. It again.
1: Yeah. It's like, yeah, they have a
2: lot of really good players on big contracts mm-hmm. and like, that's what you want. Ultimately every- that's commendable, but like, oh man, they're way out ahead of everybody with all this cap space they create. It's like, no, any team in the league is capable of creating cap
1: space. <laughs> like- <laughs> right. Right. Like every other team's sitting there going, God, how do they do it?
2: Wait, convert base salary to signing bonus. You can do that? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to knock Paragmurate and and everybody else in the organization. But it's just, (laughs) there's like a lot of victory lapping over creating cap space when they're just like kind of (laughs) utilizing mechanisms that have been in place for years.
1: Yeah. It, It may or may not be good to have that much cap space for them. Yeah. They, it was, it's smart to have it available.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's no downside. I mean, the thing is, they're trying to win the Super Bowl this
1: year. So there's no downside in
2: that. Right.
1: If this, if this screws them in 2028, they're not worried about it. Yeah. So,
2: or should they be? Right. But it's, it's all going to come due and they're going to be screwed from a cap space perspective eventually. Maybe not as much as they would like a decade ago when the caps wasn't going up as much as it's expected to. In these next few years, but again, that's a that's an issue for another time. I just like the idea that we need to like throw the Niners a parade for having all these players and still having cap space is like hilarious to me
1: because it's just like it's just kind of standard operating procedure. Yeah, it's just it is it is though. We went we went from talking all offseason about like man, the 49ers are up against it with the cap, and they can free up some space with Bosa's deal. But man, they're they're two million over for next year. They're gonna have some, and then in one Field Yates tweet, it's hey they have forty one million dollars in cap space. And I was like, oh, sh- what? That I think that's what.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, which is understandable. But it's like when you know when you're paying guys when you when you have dead cap hits of ten and fifteen million for three or four guys that haven't been on your team in a couple of years. Like that's where it's gonna come back and hurt, but ideally the cap in four years is fifty million higher than Mm -hmm. what it is now, and you can still feel a field a contending team despite that cap. That that's the bet that the Niners are making, I think.
1: Yep. Gotta keep hitting on draft picks. Yes. Anyway.
2: One and oh nothing else. Fun start to the season. That was a that was it's it's just it's great that football's back, man.
1: Like I'm so football. happy! I'm so happy we got to talk about like Drake Jackson having three sacks and Jake Moody bouncing back and Brock Purdy looking good and Christian McCaffrey and not the backup quarterback competition or <laughs> the Sam linebackers. Like, man, it's so nice to actually watch football that matters. Warren Burke seems like he's got a strong grip on that Sam linebacker spot. Your Boy, thoughts? does he! Jalen Graham and D. Winters both inactive today. Wow. Did the 49ers blow their sixth and seventh round picks? Is we will Adam Peters next is time.
2: is Adam Peters on the hot seat?
1: <laughs> Many are saying.
2: <laughs> All right, let's Curtis get Robinson, out of
1: here. Curtis Robinson, up over Jalen Graham. This is what we're doing. <laughs> this is what we're doing. Just giving just giving away snaps to a veteran journeyman practice squad guy over your seventh round pick. Why even use the picks?
2: Did you even watch the third preseason game,
1: Adam Peters? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I guess being productive in games doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> That's a good bit. Yeah. All right.
2: Uh we're gonna start streaming on uh on YouTube and other platforms soon.
1: Oh yeah, we're gonna live stream. I'm gonna have that to put was, the shirt on.
2: That was supposed to happen today. Apparently, YouTube needs needs some time before allowing you to stream. <laughs> They've got to really soak it in. Yeah, they, yeah the, once you, yeah, I mean, we don't need to get too much into the weeds here, but we weren't expecting there to be a uh, a built in buffer. Should we say to to just start to make streaming. sure you really want to start streaming? Yeah, they're like they want you to think on it for a little while. <laughs> and if you come back in a certain amount of time and you still want to do this, we'll if they're
1: you. like, all right, you want to live stream, you want you you so called want to live stream on a Sunday, but what about on a Tuesday? Are you still gonna <laughs> feel that urge? Right, right. On so, Tuesday, anyway,
2: we will. Uh, we will yeah, be super back.
1: excited to start doing video stuff. It's yeah. gonna be great. Get to see our beautiful faces. Yeah,
2: I even have art on my wall in my office now. Yeah, man, that's Just awesome. I got to, I've got to
1: clean up what I got going on back here. No, you got it. you got a good setup. No, it's not it, going it
2: to move. It speaks to your personality. What
1: is this? Yeah, it, I got beer. I got some warriors. I got Al Roker. I got books. Yeah, I'm excited for everybody to see it. Yeah, my wife and I worked hard on this setup.
2: I have one framed picture.
1: It kind of looks dope, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have other things in my office hanging, but only one is in the uh, only one is in the shot for the video. But anyway, we'll figure it out. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo just threw a red I zone was interception. Right
1: about, to, I was dude. He did the exact same thing that we just talked about in the pocket. Happy feet rolls out. Happy feet frenetically pointing. Tries to fit it into a tight window. Ball tipped in the air. Interception.
2: Feels like week three in Denver last year. Am I right? Boy, does it oh mac jones
1: step out the back of the end zone
2: mac jones to kendrick Bourne, just getting some
1: yak wow i picked up kendrick Bourne in my dynasty league in fantasy and i feel pretty good about it it's a dynastic move on your part
2: okay let's get out of here we we don't need to start talking fantasy we (laughs) we will see you guys we will literally see you guys soon or you will you'll see once we start streaming on the internet video all that fun stuff um, keep it locked. Subscribe, rate, and review. sglambchops.com. promo code Candlestick twenty. Yep. Yeah. Cooperage Brewing Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA available now. We will talk to you guys.
1: September twenty third, seven pm. Cooperage Brewing. See you, See you there. Or B Square.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about.